Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. My guest is Anthony Simeone. Is I, am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, perfect. Simeone. That's good, it. good. Anthony is a self-engineering coach. Now, that's an interesting term, and he is going to share what that means today. He helps people to rise above their circumstances and take control of their destiny. I think that's something we would all be interested in. He has created the Live the Hero program, which he will share with us, providing us with a practical framework for creating an epic life. That's quite a mouthful, and I'm sure that we're going to enjoy everything that Anthony has to share with us. Now, as a child, he suffered mental and physical abuse, and this led him on a path of self-destructive behaviors, which I think is not unusual considering that. And this caused him serious problems in many areas of his life. He is going to share that story with us today and how, more importantly, he triumphed over these problems and how we can as well. Welcome, Anthony. Carol, thank you very much for that great welcome and for that great intro. Yes, uh, I can. So I call myself a self-engineering coach because in our day and age, if you listen to the news, you hear a lot about the STEM disciplines. If you know what STEM is, it's science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, and those are very important things. But with all of this technology that we use to manipulate the world around us in the, in the STEM disciplines, I feel like we're really lacking in teaching on how to engineer our inner worlds. And that's something that I really am passionate about getting people to explore is delving into engineering how they think, how they approach the world around them, their perceptions, and how we really have lost the knowledge that we are really the creators of our destiny. And that's something that our ancestors knew and tapped into through what we'll talk about today, which is literature and the arts and whatnot. But as far as that moniker that I've created, the self-engineering uh, expert or coach, that's really the, the impetus behind it. Because again, we're so fixated on the sciences of the external world that our internal worlds, I think, are being neglected and to our detriment. I think you hit it bang on, and that's an excellent description of that as well. Um, so let's talk about your childhood, Anthony. Now, what are some of the things that you had to endure that brought you to the place where you were destitute, per se? 
Yeah, I grew up right outside the city of Philadelphia in one of the many little suburbs in South Jersey. And I grew up in a family where my father was right off the boat, as they say, from Italy. So he grew up with pretty much nothing. He grew up in poverty in Italy, and he came to America like a lot of immigrants for opportunity. And he came over, he was 15, and he he worked really hard. He was a baker. He still is to this day, but he's semi-retired. And he he grew up under a certain set of beliefs that some might consider in this area like a machismo, macho, sort of very Italian stallion, for lack of a better term, <laughs> right. way of thinking. He, he actually called himself, modeled himself after the Stallone moniker from Rocky of the Italian stallion. And he was very much into this one narrow view of what it meant to be a man. And unfortunately... I, as his son, he had two sons, my brother Joey and myself. My brother Joey was just like my dad in a lot of ways. We like to work on cars, like to project this macho image, like to be a tough guy, be aloof emotionally, be, you know, ready to fight any other man on the block because men are competition and nothing but a threat to other men. You can't trust anybody. You know, that macho, I'm a loner, no, don't need anybody attitude. But for me, I was a son who was introverted was on the chubby side, wore glasses, and liked to read lots and lots of books, and didn't like to work on cars, didn't like to work on anything. So I didn't fit his ideal of what it meant to be a man, and I suffered for it. So he was very belittling of me over the years. He was not supportive. I apologize for the phone ringing in the background. He was not supportive of me as uh, a child when it came to how I wanted to approach the world. So he saw me as being weak-willed, as being a wimp. Uh, and as a matter of fact, unfortunately, in the machismo world of the uh, idealized Italian-American male, basically I was tantamount to being a homosexual, which, of course, in his macho world is the, the epitome of being a wuss, a wimp whatnot and so there's a very specific man man manliness that i wasn't fitting into so over the years you know he he found excuses to beat me with his belt on a lot of occasions because i think he was just frustrated with me we would just argue and i would talk back nobody talks back to my dad you know so there was a time I remember when I, I'll never forget these moments. And unfortunately, for when it comes to my father, I have a lot of nothing but bad memories for, as my earliest memories as a child. Uh, I remember I locked myself in my our bathroom of my childhood home and he had smashed. He smashed the door in and beat me viciously with uh, a belt. Uh, so that was just one occasion. Uh, and then all the other times, they, those occasions weren't too frequent but more often than not on a daily basis he was bludgeoning me with his words so he was attacking my psyche my emotions with how much of a loser i was how i was a little for, pardon my english a faggot how i was uh worthless how i just liked to sit around all i did was eat and go to the bathroom and read my gay books you know it was just a constant battering of my psyche for a being that he saw as inferior to me, or to him, to him rather. So. Okay, I have two questions. First of all, did you at some point believe him? 
you know, the, the saving grace in my life growing up was my mother. She was also abused by him, not not least of which by the fact that he he cheated on her probably from the very moment they were married. Uh, he, she, he was, she was battered by him as well as far as not necessarily physically for the most part, uh, but also mentally, emotionally. So, but she always tried to put her energy into me and talk me up when he would end his tirades of talking me down into the ground. So, but there were times definitely to answer your question that I said, you know what, what if he's right? I did get crushed under that, but my mother would try to lift me up. But the thing, Carol, that your listeners might know and you might know is that even though you think you fend off these words and these things that people drive into you, they tell you these abuses they inflict upon you, they're insidious. That's and they right. Plant, they plant dark little seeds inside of you that bear very negative fruit at unexpected times in your life. So there's that psychic damage, maybe you can call it, whatever you want to call it, but it leaves roots of dark things in your being that can bubble up because you didn't have that fertile ground to grow in as a human being and to have someone supportive of you so except for my mother she was my guiding light and but she suffered for it as well and she now actually has what i think is an onset of early dementia from her from her nervous breakdown she had over the years uh, as a matter of fact it came to a head after she had, had been cheated on by my dad for years she actually had a nervous breakdown and my youngest sister and i witnessed her trying to attack him and kill him with a hammer oh my and, goodness and we were i was 16 15 and my younger sister was about 11 or so so that's that's you know that's not something that you should see as a kid so that's but, right yeah one of the things when you were talking that uh reminded me of one of the bylines that I use a lot, and you might appreciate this, and that is when you buy the thought, you buy the lie. Right. And that is essentially what you said. And it's a matter of overcoming those negative thoughts by using positive ones or else you do buy the lie and you begin to believe the lie. So that's a very common scenario, I am sure. My next question regarding that uh, growing up time is rebelling. Did you rebel, and how did you rebel, and did you have to go through guilt when you did rebel, or did you? Absolutely, I rebelled. I, I went out at the first opportunity. The first time I started, I used any kind of drug uh, that was marijuana when I was 15 years old, and it was you know a friend of mine who I who had met who was a little older but you know I started doing drugs and from there I, I never really got into anything extreme like heroin but you know I definitely experimented with other drugs with uh, you know things illegal substances over the years and drank too much and partied too much over over my lifetime but you know I always sort of had that balancing factor for me was my studies, my love of literature, my love of books, my love of the classics and human the humanities always was kind of grounding thing for me that, you know, I, I realized that there was more to life than just this wasting your life through drugs and partying and and whatnot. And there was but the only time I felt guilty about it to answer the other part of your question and remorseful was when my mother found out about oh, my activities. So right. it was you know, her disappointment was hard to bear. Right. So. I, that's certainly understandable and a terrible position to, for you to be in emotionally because you were torn two directions. Absolutely. So when did you say enough is enough 
at what point in your life were you already gone from home or yeah or okay so talk to me about that unfortunately it was and, and i'm not a big one for regrets but sometimes i do slip into that that bad habit of regret where i say you know i, I waited too long to have that enough moment it was really only a couple years ago it was really uh 2013 uh, early 2013 and you know i I was actually flipping through one of those adult education pamphlets that came that come in the mail. Sometimes they have night school programs, you know, at local high schools. And there was a program for something called Infinite Possibilities, and it talked about the law of attraction and all of these things and the secret. And, you know, and it was really something that had been picking at the back of my mind that I need to change something. And I was starting over the years before 2013 to kind of delve back into my roots of literature. I went to college and I was the only one in my family to go to college and graduate from Rutgers and I really I got a degree in English and I really delved into those are the humanities and the arts and there's there I found in them salvation from the darkness of my life a lot of times from that inspiration of what the great stories can tell us about the human condition so I I really though kind of put it off I put it off and I put it off over the years and you know, I suffered some health problems in 2009. I actually, at the age of 33, after suffering years of stress that I was repressing and not just living a poor health, unhealthy lifestyle with stress eating and gaining a lot of weight, I actually suffered a heart attack at the age of 33. That's uh, incredible. Yeah, it's unfortunate, unfortunate yes, but I, I really, and the research shows now that stress inflames the body, it inflames the tissues, inflames the arteries, you know, and stress. And I was also struggling under an undiagnosed uh, bipolar disorder as well. So that just compounded things and that was stressing me out and it was just driving me to an early grave. And I had a lot of depression and, and then mania that I would flip into. And, right. you know, I caused problems in my own marriage. And then, but finally, you know, I, I, I got to a better place and I saw that advertisement for that class in Infinite Possibilities by Mike Dooley. And I went to it, and that was really what changed my life. And I realized, you know, I've had enough, and I, I need to start tapping back into what I was passionate about when I was a young man. It was the humanities and how they can save us. So that's really been, in 2013 was the year of my reawakening. <laughs> so That's interesting that you went back to what you, you you were passionate about as a child. It was, that that's incredible. Um, a lot of people don't do that. They, they lose their dreams. They lose their vision. So that's interesting that you you knew at a very young age, obviously, what you wanted to do, and you followed that eventually, correct? Yeah, that's true. And sometimes life can take us on these circuitous routes, and I really tried to follow the the path that we're all kind of told to go is go to college, and then yeah, you dream in college, but then you become practical and you get that practical job, and you, know, you go and get that paycheck, and you know, I really kind of left that behind in some a lot of ways I left behind that legacy or that interest that passion of mine but again 2013 it was I'd had enough and I felt like my problems I had had in the intervening years stemmed from my getting away from that classical learning and that tapping into the humanities like I had in the arts when I was younger to support me and I think that led me down a wrong path so it was I had had enough of neglecting or negating what I had found inspiration from in the past. Excellent. Now, one of the areas that uh, actually on this show I do talk about a lot because I do interview a lot of people who have suffered abuse in different ways, and 
the subject that usually does come up as a result of that is forgiveness. And I'm just wondering if you could share um, what your feelings are about that. Were you able to forgive your father and or are you still working on that? It's taken a long time. Honestly, Carol, it's a long journey to to get to a place of forgiveness. And honestly, I'm still working on it. You know, the old feelings, the hurts, they will well back up. Uh, so how do really, you cope with that then? Really, it's a mantra. And my mantra is you're only poisoning yourself. When okay. you're thinking about vengeance or you're thinking about bitterness or anger, you're not hurting that person. There's a there's a quote that a lot of people talk about, you know, it, anger is or vengeance or anger or hate towards someone is like drinking poison and waiting for them to die. Exactly. You know? Yeah, so, I heard that. No, you're absolutely it, right. You know, so there was there were years where I was just hating my father, hating him, hating him, but then it was really you know, that was only contributing to my own sickness, my own pathlessness, if so to speak, through life. So really forgiveness is almost in a way for me a self a selfish act, but a benevolently a benevolently selfish one because you have to forgive to let yourself off of the chain. That's of right. Hate. That's yeah. a very good way to put it, because you're right. Uh you're the fact that you would sit there and not forgive your father doesn't hurt him. It only right. hurts you, like you just right. said. That, that's exactly right. Um, I lost my train of thought that I was going to ask you about that, something well, else. But anyway. Yeah. Go ahead. Go, no, that's okay. It might come back. Go, go ahead. No, but so just and just to go on with that. So as far as, yes, it's a process. And I think we need to be gentle with ourselves. And, you know, we, we're, you know, you can't expect yourself to go, I've forgiven him. And now I want to run and run into his open arms and everything's going to be fine. And. You know, you have to work through with that person and within yourself and reach out and actually connect with that person, which I could definitely be doing better, a better job of is connecting with him. And now, I just remembered what I was going to say, and that is that a lot of people can forgive, but that doesn't mean that they forget. And forgetting isn't necessarily hoarding that over that person, but you do remember the pain and you work through the pain. And it's not a matter of just saying, oh, yeah, I forgive him and being flippant about it because I don't think that's true forgiveness. True forgiveness is what you are doing, which is working through it and being a realist about it. Yes, yes. And not forgetting that, but using that actually as a platform to help others. Yes. I mean, when, when we break an arm or break a bone, when we hurt our physical body, we don't expect it to heal overnight. We don't expect, oh, miracle. You know, it's my I'm healed and you're you, uh, right. Physical wounds take time, and I think we need to do more of a, an equating with our, our mental self, our soul, that those things need time, too. They need time to heal, and they need work. You know, your body might sometimes need rehabilitation if you pull a muscle. or So your mind, your soul, you, they need rehabilitation just like our physical selves. So there's lots of parallels with the mind and the body that we, we neglect because your mind needs that time to build up that power again to, to, to forgive and my guess is that's one of the areas that you work in absolutely absolutely okay. I, yeah absolutely. now um, where do you get your inner strength for me it's tapping into what uh, what I like to call my own pantheon of heroes my own personal mythology that's one of the things I like to teach people to do 
is that we live in an age where there's thousands of years of history and person personalities and beings that the human mind has either created fictionally or human beings that are actually real other human beings that we can take inspiration from. So whether or not you tap into the stories of Hercules and his labors that he went through and try to incorporate that mythology and that analogy into your life to overcome your issues, or if it's your or if it's someone has a good relationship with their dad, if their if their dad is their hero, if Michael Jordan is your hero, if a movie character like Neo from the Matrix movies is your hero, or if any of these beings, you need to populate your life with real human beings that are mentors and inspirational people and and fictional beings or men and women who have died already but for instance Teddy Roosevelt is one of my great heroes mm. and there's a great there's a great quote of him from a speech where he talks about the man in the arena the man in the arena is the one who matters in your life you know that's you not the critic not the person who just stands back and criticizes but the one who actually struggles and overcomes in their life you know so he's a hero in my personal mythology so that's one of the things I teach people. Go in, go out into your life and look for the people that are physically present in your life, in your world as real human beings, or people who may have passed away that you never met, or people who are authors from around the world that inspire you, or mythological figures, whatever. But you need to build that internal support system within you. And that's what I've done for myself. And that's, again, tapping into my training in the humanities and in mythology. There's a great mythologist called Joseph Campbell you may have heard of, and maybe some of your listeners have that I get a lot of inspiration from. Um, go ahead. No, that's okay. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say something. But, yeah, he's he studied mythologies from around the world uh, in the mid-20th century, and he found these commonalities in the great stories of the great cultures and all the cultures around the world. And in particular, there's something he called the monomyth, which is the hero's journey. Now, I know a lot of people maybe have heard about that. That's getting a lot more play uh, in around the world and in circles that I've been talking to. Everyone knows about this hero's journey where we're all called to go on this adventure to take us outside of our comfort zone. And the, all the cultures around the world somehow just through some maybe Young's collective unconscious or something like that, we came up with similar hero cycles where a hero always goes out into the unknown to gain wisdom for themselves and to experience trials, to overcome and to come back to society and give something wonderful back to the world, not only for themselves, but for everyone around them. That's the true definition of a hero. And I believe that everyone needs to seek that hero within themselves, not for self-aggrandizement, not for fame or fortune or pride or vanity, but to serve, not just themselves, but to bring back something of wisdom to the rest of the world and their communities and their, their society around them. So that's really what motivates me, is finding that hero within and helping other people find it within themselves. You said a lot uh, there in that heroes are not just physical. And I think that a lot of people, when they think of a hero, like when you're growing up as a little boy, you know, whether it be Spider-Man or Superman or whatever, it's it's usually in the physical. But heroes are much, much greater than that in the mental and emotional arenas. And I believe that's what you're basically tapping into. Yes. And that, that's excellent because you made a very good point about going back and finding heroes dead or alive or you know ancestrally or whatever so that you can glean from that take from that and use it 
and use it for your own good, which is what we all need to do. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you can find inspiration. And like I said, we live in a connected age with this incredible thing called the Internet where you can tap into all of this wisdom from around the world and from thousands of years of history. We live in this incredible time. And what we're squandering a lot of the time, all of us are, including myself, we're squandering this ability to tap into this collective unconscious that we've created electronically, you know, this hive mind of humanity that right. is this, well, this wellspring of wisdom. And we're, you know, we need to, this is a moment to seize the moment of this easy access to all this information and a global, on a global scale, because if, you know, in the past, in times past before communication became digitized, you know, you only had your village and maybe the people in the next village, you had this very narrow view of the world and what people were telling you what the world was. So you probably developed a very insular way of seeing the world and believing what the world was. It was flat and there was, you know, the next people in the village were all werewolves. Who knows, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. So, but now we have this global village now that we can tap into and there's nothing stopping us. There's no excuse for us not to broaden our horizons and to build, be able to find more resources to build this, what I keep calling this inner pantheon or this inner mythology of of people and concepts and thoughts and beings of, you know, whether they were fictional, dead or alive, or real people present, living and breathing in our lives. And I really think that's that was something we don't do is we don't reach out to other people in our lives because we're all taught, especially as men, which are a key thing for me because being a man, 39 years old, men don't get a lot of the benefit of what women can tap into with, uh, you know, inspirations from Oprah and all these other things. Men aren't supposed to show weakness. Men aren't supposed to show their emotional, vulnerable sides, you know, so we don't have that inclination whether, you know, we're not taught in our environment to seek help. Right. So that's one of the things right. that I tell men. One of the things I tell men is you need to seek help. We need to form a brotherhood just like women open up to each other. We need to stop seeing each other as we've been taught. We are taught just like I was trying to be taught and my brother fell for it, but I didn't fall for it as much as he did, that other men are just out to take your woman, your job, and maybe your life. Like other men are just competition. So we need to break down that lie. And that's one of the things I'm very passionate about and I tell men about is you need to open up to other men because we share this experience of being men. We need to break down that barrier and see each other as brothers and not as competition anymore. Because what is it doing for us? Not There's, a lot. <laughs> no, it's not. Most, most of their mo, 75 to 80 percent, I think the latest statistic is that 75 to 80 percent of people who try to commit suicide in America are men. And let's ask ourselves why. Why is that? It's because we're taught to be alone. We're taught to be, isolate ourselves because we're supposed to be the rugged individual. We're supposed to be the island of strength, the pillar of strength. We're supposed to be self-sufficient. Don't ask for help. And that's one of the things that really bothers me is the, the lie of the rugged individual because we need each other. Nobody succeeds alone, whether in business or in life or in person, personally without help from other people. And it's killing us. It's literally, Carol, it's literally killing men to to keep going the way that old-fashioned manhood has been taught over over the years. So you're really breaking new territory, new ground, in essence. I, I see. That's the thing. I I don't think I am. I think this is just rediscovering 
wisdom from the past. For me, it's all about tapping back into the humanities have been trying to teach us this for centuries, and we're ignoring it because of just the way our society developed once the, once people came to this country and started developing, and just the way our society developed, somehow over the years we came into this idea of the rugged individual. The you know we we always as human beings we just see the end result. We look at someone who's more successful than us and go, oh, he must have just sprung up from overnight and became an overnight success. And I don't, he didn't struggle at all, and he just came or she didn't struggle. <laughs> they just be, propped out of the ground successful. But no. We don't we don't take the time to look back over the process and all the people that helped them. You know, a few years ago, Obama, President Obama got flack because he was giving a speech and he said he was talking to people and he said, that business of yours, you didn't build that. You know, well, and that obviously sent all the Republicans into a tizzy and they were attacking him. But Obama made a mistake because he didn't add one important word to the end of that phrase. You didn't build that alone. That was the word, was alone. He should have said alone because people can be leaders. I don't. Be, I believe in leaders. I believe in people that you can. You need to be motivated. You can go out. You can be a leader and lead people, but there's going to be the underlings that support you. There's going to be the person, if you're starting a business, the banker who lends you the loans. There's going to be the mentors who give you inspiration. Maybe there's just a guy you read about in the newspaper and you never physically meet him, but he inspired you to, to motivate yourself. So we don't very rarely do people actually are they self-made men or women they they have inspirations they have mentors they have people that support them so we need to destroy this myth of the rugged individual because it's it's causing us to isolate ourselves and to push other people away especially men because we're so afraid of showing that weakness because daddy told me not to be weak and daddy told me to be a man suck it up you know and it's as a person, as a man who went on to have a son of my own, you know, I'm very sensitive of not trying to just like brush it off as, oh, go toughen up, walk it off, be a man, you know, because <laughs> we need to recreate what it means to be a man. That's a very good point, and that's what you're obviously, like you said, teaching your child. Yeah. One of the things that you said that I found interesting was about making excuses, and I think that is such an easy trap that people fall into. And I like that you said, don't make excuses. Just do it. And yeah. It's yeah. Yes, I'm very passionate about that because I'm one of five siblings. And, you know, I had an older brother, two older sisters, and a younger sister. And they – they always fought for their limitations. They would say, oh, but I can't do that because X. And oh, and they would just talk about their problems. And every time I talked to them, it was just like, oh, hey, how you doing? I'm catching up with them. Oh, let me tell you what this person did to me and they, how they wronged me. And this is a, and I'm so sick and I have this problem and that problem. But the thing is, Carol, they taught me. I'm, I'm basically, I'm the white sheep in a black sheep family rather than the black <laughs> sheep of a family. That's what I always like to tell people. I'm the white sheep because I looked at them and I said, stop talking about your problems. Stop railing about how life has mistreated you and start having a solution mindset. You need to take control and just say, you know what? This sucks. And there's problems in life. This sucks. But what can I do right now to start improving? Well, Just it's the gratitude principle. Yep, right. And Absolutely. I think that is becoming more and more popular as people realize that the more they give gratitude for, the more they're going to be grateful for, the more they will see what they can be grateful for. Absolutely. And it's, it, it's the little things as well as the big things, but we start the little things. 
And you know what? There's uh, there's something that I've become grateful for that might be shocking to some people, but I'm grateful for the things I've suffered. And it took me a while to get this, but I have become grateful for the things I suffered in the, in the past. And I think this is one of the key things that I teach because you know what? It helped pull me out of the darkness that I was in. I came to believe and to really believe that I suffered the things I did for some purpose. Now, I know some people might have more of a problem with believing that things happen for a reason in life, but I tend towards believing that. But, you know, even if you think that things don't happen for a reason, use that. You can take what happened to you and become grateful for it. So I am grateful for the abuses I suffered at the hands of my father and my brother to a point who picked up on the trend. So I had two abusers actually after a while. My brother used to beat me up mercilessly and call me names just like my father. So he just learned and followed his own father's example. You know, so our both of our father's example. But I have become grateful. So that's really, that's what some people might call radical forgiveness. If you've heard that concept, right? Yes. Or that radical forgiveness. That's where people forgive, you know, the murderers of that, the people that murder their families. Yes, or yes. Whatnot. You know, but for me, it became radical forgiveness. It is, but it's really it's for you. It's for you, the sufferer. You need to say, you know what? I'm grateful for my what you did to me because it has made me strong. It has made me the powerful person I am now and the person who has this energy, this fire for life and this gratitude because you, you suffered. If you suffered like I did, maybe some, many of your listeners did, you suffered. You need to delve deep for yourself, not for the other person that abused you, but for yourself. You need to take that path of radical, radical forgiveness and use that pain as an energy, a spark, a force to say, look what I did. Look what I survived. Look what I overcame. Rather than what the rest of my siblings do and go, oh, well, it was me. Which, granted, I'm not saying I'm superior to them. I did it for years. No, I understand. I did it the same thing for years. I can't succeed. I can't stop overeating. I can't stop stress eating. I can't get better. I can't. But look at me because I had this bad childhood and my daddy beat me. And, you know, and yes, you we suffer under that. And it's okay to suffer and, and to acknowledge that. But you have to, at some point, turn it around and say, you know what? I'm going to take that ability and I'm going to channel it. I'm going to take that what I went through and I'm going to show other people as an example. I'm going to make an example of my own life and I'm going to overcome and even say thank you for the pain I suffered because you forged me into something incredible. Well, personally, I totally relate to that and that's what made me write my memoir. And it was using all the abuse in many different arenas to um, finally get it out there, share with people, and then the doors opened. This radio show was actually a result of that because so many people came forward and said they could relate with me. And when they realized that I was willing to forgive those that hurt me, that was another huge eye-opener for a lot of people. And so, yes, you are absolutely right. Bang on. I totally agree. And it's taking all that pain. Yeah, it would have been nice not to have gone through it. Sure, sure. But on the other hand, the other side of that is I have gone through through it. You have gone through it. Now, what good can come of it? 
And that is one of the good. And another thing that you had mentioned earlier that I want, and it fits right in here, and that is the more we help others, the more we help ourselves. And that is not doing it in a selfish area. You know, that is doing it strictly because out of our own pain, we can relate and empathize and help other people. And in essence, we are building ourselves. We're making ourselves feel better. Right. And that's really a concept service. Service, service, service is really the crux of what it means to be a leader and what it really means to be a hero. Like I said, you know, the real heroes aren't, you know, what, you know, the things that we see or the the people that we see on the movies or read about in books that are just these larger in life. You know, they are heroes. Real heroes are those who serve others and they bring wisdom from outside of the normal comfort work, comfortable world we live in on a daily basis. You know, they're, they are the firemen. They are the, you right, know, the, right. the police officers. Yep. Yes. But they also are, you know, there's been a lot of hullabaloo with the whole Caitlyn Jenner thing lately. You know, in her own way, she is a hero in a different way. She's, you know, stepped out of, you know, she's pushing the boundaries of what it means to be comfortable with yourself and, and not being afraid to be yourself. So even in that way, she's teaching us something while she's also celebrating and being grateful for herself. So there's this our definition of what it means to be a hero needs to broaden a lot and it needs to be more inclusive and it it needs to include ourselves on a daily basis because every day there's opportunities for us to answer a call to adventure because that's what the beginning of the monomyth the hero's journey that uh, Joseph Campbell came up with you know he said there's always this call to adventure so for me on a daily basis you know I had a lot of road rage problems when I was you know back in back in the day you know, and today I overcame it because every time someone would cut me off or be what I thought was a jerk on the road, eventually, instead of just reacting in the same old way, I said, you know, there's my call to adventure. My call to this, my call to adventure right now is to assume that this person is having a, a bad day. They're not a jerk. You know, so my that and I make this journey inside myself in a split second. You know, you have to change those habitual patterns. It's a choice. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And we so can tell- do it. Tell me, tell us about the uh, Live the Hero program. Live the Hero is, again, tapping into my love for the humanities, which I kind of pushed to the side to pursue a traditional career. I, I write a lot of sales proposals in the corporate world, and, you know, I, it's, it's still making my living through words, but, you know, I really realized that, you know, I was suffering under all of these problems I had because I had given up on my dream of doing something with my education in the humanities and reading all the philosophies I did over the years, consuming hundreds of books as a kid ravenously and on through my teens and into my 20s and even to this day I read voraciously. But I was neglecting that dream of mine to help others. And you know, Carol, when I go out into the world, like people just talk to me. They've always dumped their their problems on me, whether or not they were a stranger serving me coffee at a car a coffee shop or my best friend. People always seem inclined to talk to me, and I felt like there was a calling for me, for my own adventure, to finally step in that direction and say I need to start helping people. So that was sort of the impetus behind Live the Hero, and also trying to show people that. You know, all of these things like great books and literature, a lot of times we read them, and even comic books and movies to a point. You know, all of the things we create as art, there's something to be in, there's something to be had from that beyond just, oh, I've been entertained for two hours, now I will go back to my life as usual. You know, 
there is something that we build. Like if you look at any of the popular movies that they're coming out with, with all these superheroes, human beings have this, I want to believe, I believe it's a genetic urge to have heroes. We want to see heroic things, not just for the sake of making, of seeing things blow up, but you know, we want, we want to be heroes ourselves. We crave that. And just like Joseph Campbell said, you know, our cultures, whether we're conscious of it or not, we're still creating heroes and heroic epics for us to enjoy. So what I want to do is I want to make people, everyone from literature, literature fans to the plumber down the street, whether you're white collar or blue collar, I believe that I can teach people to tap into what they like to enjoy entertainment wise. What are they into in life? Who are their heroes? Who do they admire? What, what stories do they like? And I want to show people that, look, these are not just things that the stories you read and the things you like to consume, you know, they're not just empty entertainment. I mean, sometimes some of the, like maybe an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie might just be empty entertainment where he's just blowing stuff up. But a lot of the times there's still something we can pull, whether it's from the life story of other people that we admire. You know, we have to see these patterns. And our ancestors, you know, they told stories from the very first cave dwellers. You know, when our when people came out of, you know, the darkness of prehistory, we've been telling stories forever. Being human is being is to tell stories. And we need to rediscover this ability to tell stories to each other and to take inspiration from them and to take nuggets of wisdom. So I think that's a skill we've lost. So Live the Hero combines, you know, these this urge that human beings have subconsciously to seek heroism outside of themselves and within themselves and to make a difference in the world. Again, not for it to be a hero for self-aggrandizement, but for the true definition of being a hero, which is to serve and support society. So do you teach this like online or do you teach this at different venues or what is, like where can someone contact you if they want to uh, have you as a speaker, for example? They can... The, one of the quickest ways is to go to my website. Uh, it's My website is theunboundself.com. Uh, theunboundself.com. That's my current website uh, that I'm working through, and that's my, my business per se. Um, so they can reach me there. There's a contact form there. I could also give out you know my contact information or if you if, i don't know how you're well, going, if, yeah if we'll do that on your on your post sure um uh, but I'll you know they can reach out sure they can reach out to the unbound self.com uh you know they'll find links to me on facebook there i have okay. a twitter a okay. facebook so they can reach out to me there right now i'm teaching it in smaller sort of venues i'm sort of coaching people one-on-one okay uh mostly i'm definitely exploring options for doing webinars webcasts i'm Hopefully okay. he's implementing that sometime soon. Uh, but yeah, so I'm doing it in group settings and I'm doing it on one-on-one coaching and also moving hopefully very soon to spread it to a wider audience through webinars, webcasts, etc. And do you have a book in Oh yeah, I absolutely. <laughs> I, I believe I absolutely do have a book in me that I'm, I'm working on through overtime, through blogging. I think you know, blogging is a great way for an aspiring author to work in chunks. You know, we work in chunking. That's a good habit. That's a part of, I don't know if you read, uh, there's a great book everybody should probably read is the, the Power of Habit. And we develop good habits through just being conscious of our routines. And we can do things in just these manageable small chunks, small wins. And 
for an aspiring author, blogging is a great way to do that. So I'm really pulling a lot of material together from my blog at this point, and I'm trying to get a book entitled Live the Hero, most likely. What is your together. blog title? My blog is The Unbound Self. The Unbound Self. Oh, that self. is your blog as well. Yeah. Okay. So it's my website okay. slash, blog, slash, okay. slash blog is The okay. Unbound Self. And I was really, I came up with that name just for my, my business, you know, just to say, you know, we need to break the chains. My, my tagline is, some things are better when broken, and the things that are better when broken are the limitations we put on ourselves. Very well so, put. Yeah. Some things are better when broken. Yes, absolutely. So, what is your call to action today for our listeners? My call to action is, first of all, like I said earlier, start with getting outside of yourself. Seek out mentors. Seek out people who you admire, whether it's uh, someone who, like I said, maybe it's Benjamin Franklin and he's not around to talk to, but read his books. Maybe it's Mark Twain. Maybe it's Teddy Roosevelt. Maybe it's a famous person that you admire. Read, read a biography about them. Or even better, start finding people in your community that you admire. Reach out to them. Break that divide, especially if you're a man. And I don't want to leave the ladies out because sometimes ladies can, you know, women can also have the difficulty of breaking through to connect with other people. But no matter who you are, man or woman, reach out to, if you if it's great, if it's a physical person you can start talking to, if it's a friend you haven't talked to in a while who really used to inspire you, reach out. Touch base with those people. Get outside of yourself and start building those relationships and build that mythology. You can get that, that friend down the street that you talk to, that, that person becomes part of your pantheon of your personal mythology. And then any great leaders or great speakers or, you know, Get out there. Connect with people in some way and get outside of yourself. That's one way. So build that personal mythology. Second of all, let yourself believe. Let yourself believe that you can change and grow and you can become the person you want to be. You've got to change that perception. So really, just like I was saying, if you have these bad habits, read the power, the, the uh, power of habit and it really start. Being mindful, like Carol, you mentioned, there's a mindfulness revolution going on right now. And it's it's the best time to be mindful right now because you have the internet, you have all these books, you have the great resources out there to start letting yourself believe you can change and believe that things are possible for you. And then step three is believe step three is remember the secret of life. And I'm gonna about to reveal what the secret of life is right now on your show. The, okay. <laughs> the, mean, the secret of life is, the meaning and the secret of life is just to live it. That's the secret of life. And we, we racked our brains for centuries. What is the meaning of life? The meaning of life is to get out there and live it, to make your life your own and to encounter other people. And that's the other thing. We're so afraid of bumping into other people. The news tells us so much. The negative news cycle tells us other people are just there to murder you or steal from you or hack you or whatever. Take no. from you. Right. Other people are just out there. That's the storyline we're getting. And human beings have evolved a very necessary negative bias. It's good to have a negative bias because you want to be wary of the world. You know, I'm not saying be a Pollyanna and go out and trust everybody. And it's, exactly. the, age of, yes. it's the age of Aquarius. No. But also don't slip into everyone's out to get me because Matt Lauer said so. You know, <laughs> you got to unplug yourself from that. Get out there and live your life because you know what I like to say? Other people are lenses through which you can see your own self better. So you, we need other people to see ourselves better. We need to see ourselves through them 
So you need to get out there. You need to get some life on you. You can't sit back and just watch life anymore because you're afraid of people. You need to go and live it because that's the secret of life is just to get out there. So those are the three things I would tell people to do. You know, build your mythology, get those mentors, connect with people, you know, be on a personal level or read books about people or connect with someone on the Internet. Uh, you know, go out there and believe that you can change and have that gratitude like you mentioned earlier, which is a big way to do it. And just live life. Get out there and experience it because it's waiting for you. Well, Anthony, this has been extremely informative, definitely motivational. You are of a lot of energy, and that has come across in many different forms, and I really, really appreciate that. And also inspirational, and that's what we're looking for. We want to be inspired, we definitely want to be motivated, and we want to be informed. And you have covered all those, and I've I know that our audience will really appreciate this, and I hope that they will contact you and uh, check out your website and upcoming book (laughs) when when you share that with us. And we will, I'm sure, be talking to you again. Thank you. You have been a great guest, Anthony. Thank you very much, Carol, for having me. I really appreciate the time to talk to me that you've taken, and I really appreciate all of your listeners. So thank you. If they want to visit my website, please feel free. Check out my blog, sign up, subscribe to it, and I'll I'll keep pushing out all the inspirational stuff I can. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.